Welcome to the Six Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. I'm a host, I guess, and uh, this is episode number 58. Hi, Lauren. 58. How's it going? You know, I'm doing well. Does it feel like spring break yeah. to us working folks? It's spring break. But we are dads yeah. of kids. I've got some latchkey kids at home. Yeah, I, they all, that I hope are are staying out of trouble. <laughs> do you, do yours at least like they're older? So do they at least understand that spring break doesn't happen for dad, but it happens for everybody else? Oh no. Okay, because oh, I was no, gonna no. say my, mine. No, just, no, no. Mine just don't get it. Where are you going, Dad? I'm going to work. What? It's spring break. It's spring break. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The banks are still open. I still have to do things. Yeah, mine are are right there. So uh, spring break is happening right now. Yes. Are you guys doing anything this week? You know, uh, I'm a little excited. I'm taking my 16-year-old Emily on a daddy-daughter trip. We're going to fly to Virginia. Does your 16-year-old call it a daddy-daughter trip? Well, we've called them daddy-daughter dates for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess in fairness to her, she just calls it a date now. But now we're going... No? Okay, I hear what you're saying. We're, <laughs> we're going on a trip in our favorite curious. rocket ship. Okay. Flying through the skies. I just, wow, flashback to Washington. Where, you, where, you, where are you going? Richmond, Virginia. Um, we've got some dear friends out there. I was I was even talking to Ron, one of our pastors this morning, about it. Um, how rare is it? I don't know how many of our listeners have friends like this, but... Like, I'm really good friends with Kyle, uh, the dad, the husband. My wife is really good friends with Jen, the mm. wife, the mom. And they have four kids. We have four kids. They have two boys, two girls, all of mine are girls. But they're all roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. They all like each other. Like, mm. all six of them, like all six yeah. of us, like, it's like a unicorn. You right. know, it never happens. Yeah. I've got friends yeah. where I'm really close to the dude, uh-huh. and our wives aren't friends at all, uh-huh. or vice versa, or... One of the kids is friends, and we don't even know their parents, you know? Yeah. So it, this this is a unique, long-time friend, family that we're friends with. And so I'm genuinely excited about going to see Kyle, and I asked Emily what she wanted to do. We, Carrie took our oldest when she was 16 a couple years ago down to San Antonio for a long weekend. They stayed on the Riverwalk and saw, uh, what was the musical? They saw, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking. Cats. Not cats. That's good. I'm glad they didn't go see that. It's terrible. Uh oh my goodness. It was the 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 guy that committed suicide. There was a letter involved. It's on, it was on Broadway. Cool. Oh my goodness. It was made it into sounds, a movie that sounds the, so uplifting. Evan Hansen. Say what's it called? Dear, Dear Evan, Evan Hansen. Hansen. Wow. I'm, that was driving me crazy. Dear Evan Hansen. I never saw it. Yeah, me either. Um, but they went and did that. And so uh, the last year or so I've been asking Emily, what do you want to do? She wanted to do something with me, um, and I threw out a bunch of different ideas, and as soon as I mentioned going to see these friends up in Virginia, she's like, yes, I want to do that. Mm. So we're doing that. My wife uh, is going to be here with kids, but she's also going to go see some family as well. You want to hear something crazy? We put off boarding our pets. (laughs) We have two little pugs. (laughs) That you either think are the cutest things ever uh-huh. or the most revolting, uh, monstrous little dogs. Uh-huh. There's no in between. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, we just, we just totally failed at planning some boarding for them. And so I've been calling every place in town uh-huh. yesterday and today and finally got a hold of a place that has room for them. It's, 
It's called uh, Le, Ch- Le Chateau Pet Resort. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I was not familiar with them before. <laughs> and they said, yes, we have room. Yeah. And it's $99 a night for the first dog. Okay. And then $89 a night oh my for gosh. the second dog. You get a discount. So depending on what my <laughs> wife was going to do, it's going to be almost a grand Whoa. To, to have our dogs there for a few days. Like... Are you kidding me? Wow. I'm like, are they getting, you know, pampered with pedicures and manicures and back massages? Daily washes and What in the world? I just didn't even know that was... So, sorry, that's where my brain went for spring break is... I think think my wife's... I think my wife's plans have been foiled. (laughs) Le Chateau. Le Chateau Pet Resort. I mean, if you're going to put French in the title, it's probably going to be expensive. Well, I, this is the quote from the lady on the phone. I'm like, whoa. I, I'm so glad I asked you how much before we started getting serious. Um, I don't, I didn't realize you guys really are a pet resort. And she goes, oh, yeah, we're really expensive. Oh. <laughs> That's oh, her yeah. quote. Oh, yeah, we're really expensive. <laughs> well, shout out to anybody that happens to know anyone from Le Chateau Pet yeah. Resort. Um <laughs> God, that's funny. <laughs> what do you got planned for spring break, Brooke? Oh man! Well, besides uh, you working like a normal person, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna work most of the week. But um, we uh, we had some plans, and now they're all up in the air at the moment because we had vehicle troubles over the weekend, and so we're trying to figure out why one of our vehicles has a starter that just works whenever it wants to, and not like oh my starter doesn't work, but Oh, I'm driving down the road, and my starter's trying to start my car that's already started, and it won't stop. So that yeah, is bizarre. Fun. That is know. bizarre. It's, just, it's the weirdest thing, but yeah. So we had we had plans, and um, the, uh, the the vehicle started. I'm surprised you didn't call me for just some mechanical. You help. know, I was going to see if you could come help me get the engine out of it, and yeah. and really just tear it apart with the you know. The, the, have you ever used an exploded view of of the engine and? Have I ever, I'm sorry, have I ever exploded what? <laughs> yeah. For anybody who doesn't know better, Brooke is painfully aware that I am mechanically inept. So, yeah. I'm not surprised didn't you didn't call, call me. You. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Granted, the mechanics that I took it to were also like, uh, okay. Oh, so I could have been as helpful as you they could are. Have been, well, maybe. Um, I also <laughs> called the dealer and they were like, yeah, that's weird. So I don't know what's going on with it. But so we had some plans. We we're going to go see some. Uh, w- w- the plan is, assuming they can get the car fixed, we were going to go to Dallas and um, just uh, go see some family and let the kids play with the cousins and mm. and all that. Maybe I get a golf day in if the weather's decent and the car works. I don't know. We'll see. So Gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I was thinking, you know, you said you were talking about um, – you're talking about having the unicorn of of a good family friends, right? The friends that that make sense for everybody. Yeah, it's rare. And, and uh, it just made me think. I was thinking about you know my my parents had that with a couple of friends mm. or with a couple of families, and so we vacationed together and did all kinds of stuff growing up. And um, you know the kids all got along together, and the parents all like did life together and all that kind of stuff. And um, but you're right, it is kind of a kind of a unicorn thing, but have you how often um do you, i'm trying I'm trying to figure out like how how's my wife put this when when she has a good friend and she wants me to go with her because it's more becoming like a double date type of a thing and and uh you know but I don't know the husband 
you know, and she's like, oh, I'm real good friends with this, with this wife. And so then I'm in this like awkward position of like, I feel like I'm on like a, like a blind date, you know? Oh yeah. It's I, like, I know exactly what you mean. You know, I just started, you, you were, you brought that up. And so my, my head was, I was thinking about the, the random blind dates that I've been on with some, someone else's husband and, and, you know, my wife is there and I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like, do I really need to like try hard for this random person that I don't know? Right. Do I need to like pretend like I like them so we can spend time together? I don't know. Feels I think like a, feels I'm like wondering I'm on a if that's date. a pretty common experience. I, I, the first place my brain goes is just the people you work with, you know, like, like my wife teaches at a local high school at Ryder and she's got some good friends there that I don't know that I hear their names all the time or that I meet, you know, occasionally. And I certainly don't know their spouses, you know? So for us to go on like a double date or to have a couple over, uh, it's, 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 I do it in that case. And, uh, specifically I would do it to love my wife, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I'm on a blind date, you know? (laughs) And the other spouse, the other husband is like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, you like sports? Like it's just. <laughs> um, They're like, no, I'm a mechanic, and you're like, oh. And you know what? I I had this <laughs> I had this other weird thought just now is that I I think you and me as pastors it's a little different because, and it's probably unfair to our spouses, but our jobs also overlap into our family's church mm-hmm. community and yeah. church experience. Yeah, and so my wife. Um, you know, obviously doesn't know you and other staff that I run with every day. I think I've met her once or twice. You've you've met her once or twice. Yeah. (laughs) But she does know you and knows care K and, you know, it knows other pastors and spouses and, um, at least to some small degree more than I feel like I know of her coworkers. Yeah. Oh no, it's definitely a different beast. that, That makes me think of, of, uh, you know, when we came down to interview or being in, in the interview process of, of churches that we've worked at before, you know, where it's like part of the interview is my wife getting to know some of the people around here or, or spend time with, right. you know, whoever and, and, uh, you know, getting to, getting to know, okay, it's not just, oh, am I going to take this job? It's like, are we going to, are we going to take this job? You know, because it's so, it's so much more involved. Do we like these people? Right, exactly. Like on one hand, I, this may be more than some people want to know that are listening, but like, <laughs> You know, when Carrie and I came and, and I interviewed at Colonial or like any other church, part of us, our guard is up because we don't want the church to think they're hiring a couple. <laughs> yeah, we don't right. want, you know, some churches just have these weird expectations. I would call them weird, weird expectations of, oh, we're going to hire this pastor, but the wife and she's gonna is, is going to be she's amazing. Gonna and she's going to take on this aspect of ministry yep. and she's going to be a leader in this way. And oh my goodness, she sings like an angel and she's going to, you know, be on the worship team. And, mm-hmm. um, and my wife loves to teach in the local high school, loves to be a mom. She's, she's not your stereotypical, at least from generations past, you know, sings in the choir and leads the women's ministry and yeah. plays the organ or whatever. And do we have an organ? <laughs> but no, anyway, no, we do um, not. and so even when we visited and interviewed, part of us was even feeling that out. Like, a, do we like these people? Not just do I like these people, but do we right. like these people? But on the other side, what do they seem to be communicating about yeah. their expectations yeah. of both of us? You know, right? And when Carrie interviewed at Wichita Falls ISD, 
for a position at Ryder High School. I in no way I interacted with zero people, <laughs> zero. You yeah. know, yeah. I was in the room, none. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's a different it's a different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So spring break, that's fun. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we are in a crazy world. Yes, we um, are. Russia is continuing to move forward, and uh, that's just. I mean, I think more and more all every day. I think it's, I if I can be this honest, I think it's just becoming more real for me. Um, you know, we even talked uh, about a couple aspects of it last week, and I was listening to our podcast episode. And man, I hope nobody thinks for one second I'm remotely taking war lightly or the fallout, uh, the the death, the suffering of people. I think if I'm honest, I think it's becoming more real, just seeing a little more footage, reading a few more articles, um, realizing how close to Poland the bombing has gotten now and, um, you know, images of hospitals being Mm -hmm. bombed. And I, I, uh, I I told you I wanted to bring this up. Um, I don't, neither one of us, I'm sure want to pretend to be an expert in global affairs, uh, our understanding of Russian history, of Ukrainian history and culture and all that is minimal at best. But man, I, I really was intrigued by a particular article I read this past weekend, came out on Sunday, uh, written by David French. He is one of my favorite Christian thinkers, a longtime attorney and, um, just really conservative, logical, Jesus-loving uh, writer, and uh, he—I just want to bring this to your attention. And and I, my wheels are still spinning about it. He his article was entitled "The Best of Christian Compassion, the Worst of Religious Power," and he just compared and contrasted what's going on from a Russian standpoint, from a Ukrainian standpoint. Um, he said. I want to read a couple things out of his article. He said, we're seeing the extremes here of what Christians can do for evil and for good. And he first starts looking at the evil uh, from the Russian uh, standpoint. I did not know this, Brooke. Um, I'm learning that uh, historically that that Putin uh, and others in leadership there have, have really seen a fusion, he called it, between the Russian Orthodox Church uh, and their own intelligence service. Hmm. Uh, and this goes back like 20-something years. Um, and he talked about a new term in this article that Russia has adopted called spiritual security, uh, which gives the Russian Orthodox Church a mission in defending Russia from negative Western spiritual influences. So they see kind of see an us versus them, even with Western spirituality. Hmm. Um, but also partnering directly with their own Russian intelligence agencies. That's a unique fusion of, of religion and power for them. Yeah. Um, and, then I, and then he brings it home here. If I've lost anybody yet, this, this might grab your attention. <laughs> he says, what does this have to do with Ukraine? Well, it turns out that Kiev in Ukraine is of central importance in Russian Orthodoxy, historically. It's the birthplace of the Russian Orthodox Church. It's their church's Jerusalem. So all these thoughts that Americans have about Israel and Jerusalem and our ties to it 
throughout our history, maybe that at least brings a little bit of understanding to, oh my goodness, this is partly why Russia looks at Kiev in Ukraine and says, this really matters to us. Um, and then evidently, the, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church just three years ago separated itself from the Russian Orthodox Church, and there's been a lot of fallout from that. And mm. so, you know, as American Christians, we don't really understand that that impact. But I, I want to read this couple sentences here. This kind of sums up this article. He says, to make this as simple as possible, Putin has fused Russian identity with the Russian Orthodox Church he sees his nation and his church as a bulwark against Western decadence, and he is now just attempting to seize his church's Jerusalem. Now, not just attempting to seize his church's Jerusalem, but potentially, potentially forcibly reuniting his church after a schism that it rejects. There are nationalist, historical, and strategic reasons for Putin's move against Ukraine. But the religious elements are real and they are important. And I just, I never even thought for one second that religion had anything to do with this from what I'm reading or what little I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it makes me ask questions like, okay, so if, if uh, Kiev, I guess from the Russian perspective, isn't it Kiev from the Ukrainian perspective? Um, I think so. And, and forgive me, I'm probably going to mispronounce every other word here. Yeah. <laughs> but so if, if if that is Jerusalem to them, but it's still a version of Christianity, isn't Jerusalem still Jerusalem to them? Like I don't understand the significance of it being Jerusalem, but it's still well, Christianity that's based out of. I don't know that it is. That's, Israel, a, that's a fair right? logical point. I, I think what what I hear in this is uh, uh, just uh, being enlightened that that's where the Russian it's Orthodox Church started. Yeah. So if nothing else, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it's on par with Jerusalem, like he's or Bethlehem, you know, like sure. the beginnings of the birth of Christ, that kind of thing. But well, and you say it's you say it logical. <laughs> right. I'm not. I'm not sure that logic is necessarily <laughs> uh, the the best thing to go with. I mean, if you're going to talk about what, what did he say, forcibly um, bringing the the schism back together, because yep. because that always works. Yep. We know forcibly <laughs> reuniting the church of Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, like I yeah that that totally can you imagine? Makes sense. Can you imagine? So like you know, over time, the United Methodists, um, ironically, the United Methodists have have split. The Baptists have split. The Presbyterians have split. They've split mm -hmm. again. Can you imagine somebody coming along and saying, "We're going to forcibly reunite"? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just it doesn't work. It's just. That's I mean, not I guess I guess it does take missiles. It, and I mean, less. I think that's what stuck out to me in this article is that you know he said um, is basically the, the the comparing the two basically the church of of um, what what the the quote unquote church of Russia is doing right and the church of of Ukraine and the international oh. church and what it's doing on the other side of that you know so he said that the that this is the church at its worst time out time out the the Russian Orthodox Church that. Um, when it weds itself with weds itself with state power and wields the sword to advance God's kingdom on earth, yep. we're watching the deep darkness of malevolent Christendom. Christendom, excuse me, Christendom, a religious movement that will slaughter innocents to fight the decadence of the West. The you know uh -huh. all, all of the things that they don't like about Western culture and bomb hospitals to combat sin, quote unquote sin. 
and then the other side of it's Christianity at its best. It's not pacif- uh, pacifistic. It's its members are resisting tyranny with the force of arms, um, but its focus isn't on conquest, but rather com- compassion. The religious war is being met with a religious response, and that religious response represents the true face of faith that Putin purports to defend. So basically, Putin's using his his version of of religion and trying to basically force it down ev- on everybody else around them and the rest of the church is saying okay well some of them are going to stand up and fight some of them are providing money some of them are providing funds or places to stay or um you yeah. know the uh, all of all of that other stuff so i thought that was that was interesting just the difference of yeah you know his his malevolent christendom Thought that was a interesting phrase. I think I think that juxtaposition is really what just jumps out to me in this article. It it makes me look at the conflict over there in a different way. And and for us as Christians, I think this is one of the key things we need to entertain, if that's the right way of putting it. We, you know, when in history do we see Christianity? being used, not, not just religion in general, because of course all different religions have been used for wars and all mm-hmm. that, but Christianity specifically being used. I mean, Hitler talked mm-hmm. about Christianity and yeah. used, used biblical references and, um, you know, as, as his reasoning for getting rid of the Jews and, um, creating a better, better world and a better race and, um, and other wars have, have been justified by, in the name of Jesus, even and you mm-hmm. go back to the Crusades, right. and and so I, I think where this centers down for me is okay, Lauren. What does it mean for you to follow Jesus faithfully in the face of war, in the face of conflict, in the face of people suffering? Where would Jesus be in all this? And to me, that just gets really clear. You know, I love reading uh, what he calls the Christian compassion response. Um, he says there's a report that the average Baptist World Alliance church in Ukraine is feeding and sheltering 100 people. Hmm. The average church over there is feeding and sheltering 100 people. He says Samaritan's Purse, which a lot of our listeners might be familiar with. Uh, I think Billy Graham uh, started that a long time ago. Samaritan's Purse is setting up an emergency field hospital outside of one of their big cities. Uh, there's churches here stateside that are sending people to neighboring countries like Moldova, helping refugees. Uh, there's a there's a contrast between justifying violence yeah. and tyranny with religious language and even you know this this misconception of what of 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 tying power to the way of Jesus and then there's the other beautiful side of it which is in the wake of in the in the face of evil in the face of violence in the face of um, just the the awful choices of Putin and others, you know, the church is, is stepping up and trying to take care of those in need. And, and some of them are fighting and some of them are serving behind the scenes. And so it, I don't, I don't want to bring all this up to um, try to change our thinking on this. I, I'm a learner, like everybody here who's listening, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in Wichita Falls, Texas, pretty far from <laughs> what's going on over there. Uh, unlike maybe some of our military folks listening, I mean, yeah, I grew up in Germany in the 1980s. That doesn't make me really that much more informed, if any, 
uh, than most of our Texas Christians here. Yeah. What's going on in the world? I, I just am fascinated that there's a, a religious aspect to what's going on over there that I'm I'm at least less aware of, less understanding than I than I thought I was. So that's that's partly why I bring that up. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess if nothing else, it's just a reminder that even even wherever we tend to get our information from, there's always more. You know, there's there there are other aspects to it rather than, um, you know, I've, I listened to a couple of podcasts over the last couple of weeks talking about um, about Putin, who he is, and what's going on over there. Uh, listening to um, heard an interview with somebody that. Uh, um, that wrote a book on him. Um, somebody else that was a Ukrainian person that, that is not currently in Ukraine, but, you know, obviously very closely tied to a lot of people. And it's just, you know, hearing different perspectives and different aspects of, of it all around. And this is the first, I, I agree, this is the first I'd, I had heard of, of any, um, you know, religious side of it. But mm. there's there's always more out there, and that's crazy. Yep. I do think uh, at the risk of of, you know, Finding you know finding our information in different places and and even having different political views on this. I, I'm not remotely trying to be political. I hope nobody hears that. Um, I do. I would like you to put this article in our show notes. I just think yeah. it's it's. I, I want us all to be learners. I want us all to take things with a grain of salt, but also to to strive to to read and to. Um, if nothing else, I'll I'll say this. I you don't have to agree with someone specifically like David French, but I'll. I'll I'll say I read him a lot, listen to him a lot, and he's one of my favorite challengers to my thinking. Mm. Um, and I do know he loves Jesus. I do know he longs for um, the kingdom of God to grow and advance, and and uh, and so for whatever that's worth from one of your pastors, put put that in our show notes. Mm. Okay, we can do that. Yeah. So we continued our series this week, uh, lessons from a king, looking at the life of David who we really haven't even gotten to yet, um, dealing through... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny you say that. Uh, you know, it's it's the lead-up to David, right? <laughs> We're going to lead up to him for four weeks, and then we're going to have one <laughs> week on David. And then he did, and then and then he died, so we moved on. Um, so I, you know, it's just, it's it's interesting to, uh, I think, to look at this, at this story... Um, you know, to go back to the the Israelites that wanted a king that said, "Hey, everybody else does it this way. Let us have this thing that we want." And as I think you said the other couple of weeks ago, um, you know, sometimes God gives us what we want, and that's not always a good thing. Mm. Sometimes He gives us what we want because it's what we want, and not because it's what we need. But it's like, okay, all right. I mean. That's what you want to do. Somewhere in there, that's what love is, right? I mean, somewhere in there, love as a, I think, as a parent, is not giving our kid what he or she wants because we love them so much. We're not going to let them have that destructive, painful thing. But ultimately, we don't want our kids to be puppets or robots. We we want them to have freedom and freedom to fail, freedom to hurt themselves and and learn from it. Make, and so make good choices. that at least helps me with my understanding yeah. of why God sometimes just goes, okay. And the story of the prodigal son is the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. There's an argument, go to for example, thing. in that story of, why, okay, why didn't the dad go, no, you can't have your inheritance. Yeah. Go get back out there and do your <laughs> job. You know, like, 
And yet, I, I think you could argue, you know, I think somebody else could mistakenly argue, well, he's just a, a wuss of a dad and, oh, oh, okay, oh, you wish I was dead. Okay, here's all the stuff, you yeah. know. I think it's not a leap to go, no, I think he loved his son. We know from the rest of the story he loved his son mm. passionately. So I think he's like, okay, I don't want this for you, but I'm not going to get in the way. Yeah. And I'll be here if and when you come to your senses mm. and come home. Well, and I mean, it's like that's that's the same thing that God is doing with the, the Israelites in this story. You know, God say they're they're saying, hey, this is what we want. And he's saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to be here. I'm going to try to lead all the way through this, but this is not the way that I had intended it. Yep. And so then they get they get Saul, who is is uh, you know, looks the part, is the warrior of all the part, and is a interesting character in and of himself. And uh, even even to the point that as you talked about Samuel having to go and say, okay, I got to go figure out who the next king's going to be, but being terrified that I don't really want to say this out loud because if Saul hears, I might get a spear. Mm-hmm joining me very quickly um as a <laughs> as the guy is is uh, prone to anger yeah you know so it's just it's just an interesting you know perspective of the israelis the israelites saying no this is what we want and god's saying okay yeah all right and it's it i think it's impossible for us to figure out okay why does god sometimes just let them have what they want and why are there other times where he's like, no, we can't have that. Yeah. It's it's just like, to me, it's back to parenting. I, I think there are times that a three-year-old, a five-year-old, an eight-year-old just can't understand why daddy says yes. Why can't I just why, eat chocolate and all the why time? why later he says no. And um, obviously we get older, we mature, we understand better, but not completely, I don't think. Yeah. Um, which, which does tie us into one thing I mentioned from our teaching time yesterday that I wanted to address. And I don't, I don't want to get bogged down on this because it really can open Pandora's box on some <laughs> complicated theology. Um, but uh, let me dive in here, Brooke. There's a, there's a line in 1 Samuel 15, verse 11, where uh, God says, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. Uh, or that's that's the New Living Translation. The the English Standard Version says, "I regret that I have made Saul king." Uh, Twenty four verses later, verse thirty five says, "The Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul king of Israel." Or in the ESV, the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel, which begs the question: You know, whoa did did God not know that was going to not work out? Like, I thought God knew everything. Mm. Is God not sovereign? Is he not in control? Um, does he change his mind? Does he think one thing at one point? Um, and then later, he goes, nah, you know what? I don't see it the same way anymore. Mm. Which, first of all, <laughs> I think we can all agree, don't we do that all the time? Uh-huh. I do that all the yeah. time. I I didn't know then what I know now. And yeah. if I did, I would have decided something differently or... Um, I can see why I made that choice, but I still regret it because look how it turned out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it it begs the question, what does that mean from Scripture? And I've even heard, because I mentioned it yesterday, I've had two people uh, reach out to me and say, yes, I was thinking the same thing. I was wondering about that. Um, and 
here's what I think is really helpful. That's verse 11 and verse 35. From the same chapter right in the middle, verse 29, listen to this. It says, he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. Or the ESV says, he will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. So it really begs the question, what does this mean? It clearly does not add up. Um, Let me pull up my notes here. I read a really good article. Um, I'm not a big John Piper fan, but he is a really smart I'm not against him. I just, he's not one of my favorite reads. He's a really smart conservative Christian. And, and he wrote an article that God does not repent like a man. God does not regret like a man. Um, and so, um, let me here, pull this up here. This is really helpful to me. I'm curious what you think about this Brooke. He says that, um, this argument that God changes his mind or regrets, uh, assumes that God would not or could not lament over a state of affairs he himself chose to bring about. Um, but he's just recognizing God's really complicated. He's much more complex than we are. Uh, he may well be capable of lamenting over something he chose to bring about. So doesn't that, isn't that where the rubber meets the road? Like, can God know this is going to happen? Go back to the garden. He knows he's going to create Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. He knows it's going to all be good. Mm -hmm. There's no sin. If he really does have all knowledge, including foreknowledge, knowledge of what's coming, he knows they're going to choose other than him. Mm -hmm. He still gives them freedom of choice to walk away, to to, I would argue, in a loving way, gives them freedom of choice. They do choose other than him. And everything goes south. We have, that's why we call it the fall. Everything falls apart. Does God look back at the garden and go, oh, I wish that hadn't happened. And still knew it was going to happen. Is, is that possible? Um, I thought this was a kind of a weird analogy that Piper used. Listen to what he says. He says, um, God may be capable of looking back on the very act of bringing something about and lamenting that act in one regard while affirming it as best in another regard. For example, if I spank my son, now let's not get stuck on corporal punishment, okay? Send your emails about corporal punishment to <laughs> bjames at colonialchurch.com. But, but just hear out his analogy. He says, for example, if I spank my son for blatant disobedience and he runs away from home because I spanked him, I may feel some remorse over the spanking. Not in the sense that I disapprove of what I did, but in the sense that I feel some sorrow that spanking was a necessary part of a wise way of dealing with the situation and that it led to his running away. If I had to do it over again, I would still spank him. It was the right thing to do. Even knowing that one consequence would be alienation for a season, I approved the spanking and at the same time regret the spanking. If such a combination of emotions can accompany my own decisions, it is not hard to imagine that God's infinite mind may be capable of something similar. And then he says this. Now the question. Does the Bible teach that God laments some of his decisions in the sense that I have described above, which does not imply that he's ignorant of the future? 
Or does the Bible teach that God laments some of his decisions because he did not see what was coming? And real quick, I'll just, I'll just cut to the chase. I believe the former. I believe that God knows. Orthodox conservative Christianity teaches us, and I believe this, um, that God has complete knowledge, including foreknowledge. God knows what's coming. That's why prophecies actually are fulfilled. That's why we can count on what he says is going to happen. The future is going to happen. We believe the Bible teaches consistently, I believe, and our, our leadership here, I know, believes that God God has full foreknowledge. Um, there's a, a passage that comes to mind that's that's quoted often from Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Um, there's other aspects in, 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 in Scripture that back that up. Uh but there is this other thought that I want to be honest and bring up that I would say it's a, a small minority of evangelical Christians that st- step into called open theism. And if anybody's interested in reading about it, I don't think it's bad to, to learn some things, even though it's not what we're teaching here. Uh, open theism uh, is it comes from the affirmation that God is open to new experiences, including the experience of learning the progressive events of world history as they unfold. That's not what classic Orthodox Christianity teaches. Um, that's not what Arminianism or Calvinism teaches. Um, but it's an interesting thought that I confess, I've got a couple books on my shelf in my office that aren't directly about open theism, but they're written by authors who believe and teach open theism. And they're, it's controversial because of, of those teachings. But I, I enjoy them kind of stretching my brain and challenging me to go back to the scriptures. Um, one of the things that I, I think gives me the most pause about open theism in a good way is they, they lean toward this. Um, it's interesting that we brought I brought up parenting, trying to understand this a little bit. They bring up this parental at risk sovereignty. They talk about uh, this, um, Instead of the metaphor of a, of a sovereign king, they use the metaphor of a, of a parent who takes risks by, by letting his creation possibly even thwart or frustrate his purposes. Um, so it's this idea of God letting us do what he doesn't want us to do um, and, and, and letting go of a little bit of his control in that regard. And that, that kind of resonates with me. Isn't that what he did in the garden? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and they, because of that, it's the, the appeal of open theism to some people is it's an appeal to believing that God loves us that much, that he's not, everything's not already decided. Everything's not already controlled, that he gives us that, he lovingly gives us that kind of ability to contribute to the unfolding events of history. Um, and there's some pictures in scripture that, that people who believe in open theism grab a hold of that that will back that up uh i think it's there's a reason it's a small minority of christians who believe that who teach it uh i think too much of scripture is counter to that um and really really is clear to me on the sovereignty of god and and ultimately i think it comes down to not focusing on control or lack of it on our part it's focusing on his trustworthiness his otherness, his goodness. Um, so 
if and when, whether it's in First Samuel 15 that you read about God regretting, God being sorry that Saul's king, or anything like that in Scripture, I think we got to put it all in context of all the other things that are taught throughout Scripture. Um, and I think I think Piper maybe for me says it best. He's like, yeah, I think it's possible. God knows that's going to happen. He still allows it. He regrets it. He's sad about it. It does not mean he didn't know, and it does not mean he's out of control. Um, and the more I try to explain it, I hear myself going, <laughs> wow, there's a reason the Bible also says that my thoughts are higher than your yeah. thoughts, Lauren. My ways are higher than your ways, Lauren. Um, so I don't know how, how much that's helpful. If you, if you want, if anybody wants to talk more about that, first of all, you can always send your questions into podcast at colonialchurch.com or, or a thought, but also, um, you've heard us say this often. We, we love sitting down and talking and over a beverage or in, in our offices or in your home. Uh, that's part of this journey is even wrestling with, with some of these more complicated aspects of scripture. Um, pastor Jordan, I'm confident has some good resources and thoughts on, everything from open theism to, to what's going on right here in first Samuel 15. And there's, there's others in our leadership as well, elders and pastors that would, would love to talk to you about it. What are you thinking right now, Brooke? Yeah. I, I just uh, talked for way too long. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's you have a glazed um, over look in your eyes. I have a glazed over look. I, it's, you know, I think that's, there's so much in there, you know, when, of course you read anything from John Piper, I feel like I have to read it four, five, six times and use a dictionary and a thesaurus to figure out exactly what's going on. Um, you know, I, I mean, growing up in a, uh, you know, not orthodox in the style of church, but that, you know, teaching of, of, um, of God, I, you know, I've, I've always grown up in a church that taught that God knows the future and that he is outside of time, and that we have the free will to choose. And, um, you know, I think things get even more complicated when, um, or confusing, when, you know, I don't have my, I don't have free will, that he already determined that I was going to do this, whether he, he knows that I'm going to make said decision or not, you know. Um, that, that seems to be one thing when you, when you bring free will into it that, you know, God knows, okay, well, the Israelites said they wanted a king. Okay. I, I don't like that because it's not how I designed this to be, but that's what you want. And you're being stubborn about it. I'm going to let you make that decision. Mm -hmm. And so you're making that decision. I don't like that. That's a decision that you're making, but I'm allowing you to make that decision because yeah. you have the right to choose. Yeah. Um, you have the right to be wrong. You know, you you have your <laughs> you have your right to your own opinion, regardless of whether or not it's it's mine or you're wrong. So, um, you know, I think that's what it is to me. Is it's like okay, I, I I get the I get the question of does God change His mind? But if He doesn't change His mind, then what's the point of prayer in times of difficulty? Right. And then it doesn't matter if He doesn't change it. If He's not, you know, if if He's not somebody that we can reach out to and have a relationship with. Then what are the po what's the point of those things that you know why cultivate a relationship other than just information if right if there's no give or take if you will and and don't mean that oh now God didn't know that that was going to happen um, I don't know I guess that's where my where my mind goes is that as long as there's free will involved and God is still was it omniscient is that the right one mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, then uh, it still makes sense to me. It still makes 
it still flows that I can make my own decisions and he can, he will let me do that even though he might wish that I would make a different decision and regret and, and regret I think is we use it in the terms, in the ways that we understand it, you know, like I did something and I regret that I did that. Um, usually not in the terms of man, I, I regret that I regret that, that somebody else did something. I don't know. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's like, I feel like I'm in quicksand here. It's like, see, I'm, I'm explaining it. Oh, I'm still, <laughs> it's well, you know, there's, there's I still don't have something. There's things like on. this that are, that are supposed to be hard. Um, we just can't, we can't grasp all because there are places in scripture that talk about, you know, if people repent, then God will relent. God will mm-hmm. change his, his, uh, distribution of consequences, you know, yeah. um, there are, there are examples in scripture of, of God wanting to do X and, you know, uh, a, a leader, a prophet coming along and, and just begging him to be more merciful, be more lenient. And so he is. And does that mean, does that mean that God is improving upon himself in some way? <laughs> like his first choice was not as good. And then because humans come along and, and pray that he improves what he was going to do, that does not jive with the perfect holiness of God. And yet you bring the relational aspect of it. What What's a relationship if, if there's not give and take, if there's not, um, it also, man, my wheels are spinning. It also changes the way we see prayer. Is prayer about us getting him to do things? Right. Because I think, I think that's our default. Prayer is our way of getting God to do things. Right. And the more we go down that road, then the more troubling it is that, well, does God, is God even going to listen? Is he going to change his mind? Mm-hmm. Whatever. But that's not the essence of prayer. Prayer is about connection. Well, I think there's, there's still, there's still, you know, lots of stories in the Bible throughout that are, um, that give and take of a conversation with God, you know, I think about Jacob wrestling with God, you know, Mm. um, (laughs) or an angel or whatever your, whatever that, that, you know, becomes, but, you know, was it, is it, uh, is it Lot, um, or was it Gomorrah that 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 this that the uh, yeah that they're having the conversation? Okay, okay, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. What if I could find? What if I can find this many? What if I can find this many? Okay, well, okay. What what if what, what if, if I can find this I can, many people this? who are faithful? Okay, okay. So maybe not that many, but what if I could find yeah. just one? Right. Yeah. So it's like this give and take of, okay, all right. If you can find just that one, well, uh, he already knows. Yeah, he already knows who's over there. It's like, but 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 hang on, but hang on, but hang on, 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 hang on. What if? You know, and so I feel like the, the, I still have these stories as you're talking. I have these stories flashing in my mind of like, but this is a, you know, it's like, but that happened and this happened. And so it's not like a, I don't, I don't see it as a set in stone. Like it, nothing else can happen can, except for this. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm always going back to parenting though. Can you imagine <laughs> one of your little girls going, dad, we, we want to have a all night slumber party inside the mall. And you're like, no, that's not going to happen. And she goes, well, what if I can find um, 10 other parents who will let us do that? Will you then let us do that? And you know, you know, there's no, you know, the mall's not even open overnight. You know, there's not 10 parents she's going to find. They're gonna, and you go, sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. But what if I can find five parents, dad, that'll let, just five. Sure. What if I can find one parent? Go for it. Does that mean that? That, that the parent is saying, change my mind? No, he already knows. I, that may be a bad analogy, but that's where my brain just went. 
the child cannot always know mm-hmm. what the parent knows, can't always see what the parent sees. And that's just human metaphor. Like, how much more other than and greater than is God? Um, I think this is a fascinating topic. Yeah. But I think, you know what? If I can try to simplify it for, for myself, if not everybody listening, it comes back to, is he trustworthy? Whether he changes his mind or not, whether he knows everything or doesn't. Yeah. Is he good? Is he trustworthy? Because if he is good and he is trustworthy, that's completely secondary as to it's it's fun conversation. It's fun theological sitting in grad school, dry <laughs> classroom somewhere conversation. It's not real world because because what really matters today on a Monday is can I trust God or not? You know, is if I can, then I want to do what he says. Yeah. I want to draw close to him and I want to do what he says. Yeah. Um, well, and that just goes to, you know, the, the rest of that story as, as, uh, uh, Samuel is having to go and find the next King is like, he has to bring in his faith and say, you know what? I trust that God has the best thing for me. I trust that he knows what he's doing and trust that, you know, any number of questions that are, are screaming through my mind right yeah. now is, as Saul would be known to, um, you know, take me out in in the event that I mm. even mentioned some other option. Yeah. Um, and still, he says, all right. He even protests a little bit. Uh, are you sure? Because, and God says, no, you just, this is what I said, go over here and do this. Mm-hmm. And so Samuel even having that faith to uh, to say, okay, I trust, I trust that I know who you are. I trust that I know your character, and mm. you're going to um, make this work. Yeah. Yep. What about the uh, uh, the seeing past the obvious, right? So, so as we as you continue, um, Saul was a dude that um, looked the part, acted the part, as far as a warrior king leading the way, um, taking charge in a brutal time, and then to uh, you know for for Samuel to go and say, okay, I gotta go look at the next guy, uh, the next one. Okay, God, you said go look at the. Go talk to Jesse. Jesse has a bunch of boys. Let's go. Let's go figure it out. And that there, are at least the oldest, you know, if not multiples, are like, "Hey, this guy. All right, another tall, dark, and handsome guy, or whatever." You know, that's like that makes sense. But God's consistently going, "Nope, not that guy. Nope, not that guy. Nope, not that guy. Nope." It's this one over here that nobody even thought was gonna be a person. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, no, don't worry about David. He's just our shepherd. You know, he's the youngest. You know, same thing with Joseph, right? Back in back in in the um, you know prior prior to all of um, prior to this, you know, when Joseph is the the runt of the litter and thrown into the, he's sold off into slavery, and and it's like no no no, God sees something beyond mm. what we can see and what Joseph's brothers saw and what uh, Samuel or Jesse or his older or, or David's older brothers saw that there is. I mean, even even as David comes to. Uh, to fight Goliath, if we're gonna, you know, sorry to jump forward in the story, but his brothers are like trying to send him home, and Saul is like, okay, okay, <laughs> all right, you want to go fight him? Okay, yeah. oh here, here, put my ar- put my armor on. You have this no is gonna choice. go. No this is gonna go real well. Yeah. This is gonna be great. You know, great. Uh, well, I don't care. You know, so it's just like, it's how do we get to a place where we can do the same thing? You know, mm. we make snap judgments and stereotype judgments and categorizations all the time, all day long. Sure. So how do we get to a well, place yeah. where we can do any of this to see beyond I agree. 
Well, what what I don't I don't remember the specific stats, but the, or or numbers I should say, but you know, there's I remember statements being said like you know every single one of us basically sizes somebody up within you know singular seconds. singular seconds just based on appearance and first couple words out of their mouth and accent and mm-hmm. everything. Um, so we I think in this first mixed message <laughs> we can't and we have to yeah and so first of all we can't in this life. We're, we're not God. Only God can see what's on the inside. We, we, are, we are limited in what we can see. We are judgmental about what's on the outside in good and bad ways. And um, I, we can't. The flip side of that <laughs> is there's a call to, to try. And so I think, as I tried to say yesterday, we've got to ask God for help. Um, I think in his generous moments, in his in his desire to advance the kingdom, I think and, and and empower us to love well and serve well and be present with people like he wants us to be and reflect his character. He's going to help us see past the obvious at times, and I think other times it's just pragmatic. It's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually choose to give someone the benefit of the doubt here mm. even though on the surface this is what I would reasonably think or I'm going to choose to ask more questions I'm going to choose to listen I'm going to seek to understand I think there's something really powerful about that I, it's going to take longer you know it's to go with what's obvious is quick yeah to, to, to strive to see past the obvious because we are so limited, I think it takes time. And that's one, that's one reason we're not motivated to do so, you know? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to spend more time trying to get to know this person before I make a snap judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that we can... I think there are, I believe there are times God supernaturally allows us, empowers us to see past the obvious. I also think day-to-day, it probably looks a whole lot more like just a an awareness and a choice to seek to understand um and to recognize god can see what i can't see and why 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 else do we ask god what what are you saying to me today and what do you want me to do yeah it's because he can see what we can't see if we if we could see all that he can see we wouldn't need to ask that question (laughs) (laughs) that's right well, it also th- you know makes me think about um, making those snap judgments or or snap decisions and saying okay, trying to be slower to um, judge people or to judge circumstances to say okay, I, I need to take my time and um, you know in some cases get proximity, some cases I need more information, some cases it's just you know what, I don't want to make a judgment about this person because I don't know the situation that they're in or where they've been and mm. and to um, to slow down, which we don't like to do. Mm. Yep. Okay, let's wrap this thing up. Yes, sir. It's not like we had any heavy topics or anything today, so we'll just, you know, Woo. move on. And um, Anything you want to add before we, uh, before we take a break and come back next week? Uh, only thing that's still fresh in my mind is, you know, we're still coming off of Awaken. Uh, I don't know how many people saw some social media posts or one of my social media posts, but, uh, I really enjoyed sitting down with four of the other eight church pastors of, of, of the, the eight churches we partner with, with Awaken. Um, this past, I guess it was Friday we had lunch 
and there's a plan uh, to to try to get all of us together. Uh, so it's man trying to get nine adults with busy calendars in a room at the same time is yeah. it's kind of a joke. You yeah, know? it doesn't it doesn't happen easy. So we went five out of nine. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> I was mostly pleased, but we're gonna try to to do that again. We've even talked about about. Uh, whether or not we're going to do Awaken next year. If we do it, how will we do it differently? Um, would invite feedback from our listeners, from anybody that's journeyed with us at Colonial. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on us uh, doing this again and, and partnering with other churches in the city next, uh, probably in the new year, next year? Um, how could we do it better? How might we do it differently? I would invite those thoughts. Uh, I know, Brooke, you and I will be talking about that quite a bit because that's right in the middle of, of what you and I both are tasked mm-hmm. to do here at Colonial. Uh, but, yeah, that was really fun to have lunch with those guys yeah, um, and to share stories uh, about what they saw God do in their churches and what they experienced personally. Um, it was good. So I, that's on my brain. Uh, I, I hopefully will have more to update in the coming weeks, just even even the good that has come out of Awaken with with our churches connecting and our pastors connecting. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, um, what can we expect next week? Um, more lessons from King? Yeah, we're going to spend, uh, I think three more weeks on this and, uh, looking forward to stepping into more, uh, specifically the heart of David. I think, I think he's going to be an encouragement to a lot of people because he was, he was an amazing man after God's own heart. And he was deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope he's both really inspirational and encouraging. And I hope it's I hope it's even encouraging from a different side right. of just, hey, th- we're not called to be perfect. We're called to be faithful. And those are two very different things. Um, and his grace abounds. His forgiveness has no limits. Thank God. Um, and so that's going to come out over the next uh, two or three Sundays as well. So I, I would encourage you to, to take the time to read uh, up on David, uh, read up on his story, um, because there's you know the vast majority of his story we're not going to touch on. Yeah. Um, Any specific chunks of scripture you would say, focus on, read this, read this one? You know what? I don't have my notes in front of me. Mm. That's, a, that's actually a fantastic mm. question, Brooke. And no, <laughs> I don't have that. Okay, everybody, me. go read David. <laughs> go find him in your Bibles. He's not in the book of David. It's not in the book of David. No. Um, so you may have to do a little legwork. I'll, I promise I will uh, provide a little more of that uh, <laughs> next week. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this has been the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com from our app, the App Store, the Google Play Store. We love to hear from you guys, so uh, if you have comments about um, Awaken, or you have questions about things that we talked about today, or things that come up in the life of David as we continue to talk about this, you can send your feedback or your questions to podcast.colonialchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We will pick it up again next week and continue our conversation. Happy spring break, everybody. (laughs) 